a police sergeant is raped, raped on the job. And was it her rape connected to her ex-husband's gambling deaths or is it connected with her um, co-workers? This is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast. A Law and Order SVU podcast. My name is Brian Rose, and you can listen to us on Spotify every Monday morning when it's available. So, by the way, how was your weekend, though? I mean, I, before I have to go further, I just want to let you know that we're going to be recapping episodes from Law and Order SVU from the first episode. Right, so right now I'm not gonna be doing any select episodes. I'm just doing it in order, so like broadcast order. So that way, so you catch up, you just see, you can remember. You know, I know the grown folks, the old audience, oh, they get that though. But the younger ones, they don't, don't, they don't even understand it though. All right, so um, and now I'm gonna be going to episodes in order now. How was your weekend, y'all? You had a good time. Uh, have you been watching the AMAs last night? Now I know Cardi B, she coming out there looking all slutty as ever. <laughs> and one thing I liked, you know, they had a reunion with the new, no, no, they had like a, a new edition and new kids on a block performing together. It's like a battle of Boston, battle of Beantown, something like that, though. And uh, speaking of Boston, you know, I talked to a brother, I talked to a friend of mine from Boston, you know. So we out here, we trying to give the word of the most high out though. So I'm not going to go deeper into that though. So um, let me go get to another serious topic, right? So there's no new SVU or organized crime this week. We're not going to talk about that. But I want to talk about what happened on Friday. Have you watched the verdict? Have you watched the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict? And this that white boy got cleared of all charges of like killing two fellow white bo- two people and uh, wounding another no, and the uh, three protesters that they were participating in some Black Lives Matter thing, but you know, even even though that um he didn't kill the black man, he killed his own people. I mean, he shot three white guys, two of them dead, and you want to talk about self defense? You worry about your life and all that stuff. And when I saw the verdict, though, I was pissed off a little bit. I mean, he got cleared all charges. I mean, most of the black families ain't happy about that. But the the justice system is all screwed up, though. All this will lead into some kind of like a race war or something like that. I don't know. So it's just tension going on around here. I mean, you let this cow rid house get in the way with murder or something like that. Because they say he had intent to kill, but he was like defending himself. And you see the way he reacted when they gave out the verdict saying not guilty. He just collapsed and all that stuff, though. I don't know if, if it was, was an act, but it goes to show you that, 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 that the whole justice system is all jacked up. <laughs> all right. So and I was thinking, though. 
that will be a good episode on the revival of Law and Order. I was wondering if if that um that young Gallagher kid from Shameless though he going around. Are you going around shooting three protesters and stuff like that? Two of them fatally and one survived the shooting. And <laughs> I'm telling you, that it would be much better for dramatic if like the purple put on a mask or something or something like that. Though, so that would be a good lo- episode of a Lord Order revival, don't you think? Okay, so um, now we're gonna go and deal with season two of Lord Order SVU, and then just just bring out the guest stars and. This is like episode 36 of my show, so let's get to the episode. All right, um, this is um, Lauren or the SVU, season two, episode 14, Paranoia. It aired on NBC on February 16th, 2001. Right, so the title Paranoia is like, People be getting scared and it's fear, like anxiety trying to kick in. And some it's a cover up. Something's going on around here because um, you know, the person's career might be on the line, or in other words, they might get killed. I mean, it's something going on. We got we're dealing here with um shady ass cops, right? So um and it's dirty ain't even know they dirty, something like that. 30 like Christina Aguilera. Alright, so um alright, the uh, episode starts off with um two cops having a conversation inside a police car. And um and inside one of them is um Sergeant Karen Smythe and we got Officer Murray. And check this out before I go further though, we have a special guest star. Now, who's the actress that's playing Sergeant Karen Smythe? Still taking care of the rookie? Looks like it's the other way around. We're gonna get this bastard, Karen. You can count on that. I might be worried if you were still as green as when I got you. All right, that happens to be uh, actress Candy Alexander. Yay! Yeah, she was on um, NBC sitcom News Radio back in the 1990s, you know, like 1995, I believe, you know, and until like for four years. I mean, she co-starred with um, David Foley from The Kids in the Hall and Phil Hartman from SNL and all that stuff. I mean, it ran for about maybe about a few years and then it got canceled in 1999. Oh, yeah, I forgot. More Terry was on that sitcom News Radio, too, though. I, I seen news radio a few times, you know what I mean? I wasn't a fan of it, though, but I like the theme song and all that stuff, though, right? So, and then after news radio, she appeared on the HBO miniseries, The Corner. You know, was you know, she played like a drug-addicted mother, raising a family before she got clean. And it's based on a true story from David Simon, right? And then after this, after the, you know, the... After she appeared on SVU, she starred in CSI Miami with David Caruso. You know, the guy from NYPD Blue. Yeah, and then came here several seasons. And then and I seen her also on on a series called, another HBO series called Treme. And it deals with after Hurricane Katrina and all that stuff, though. So she was there. So, and Katie Alexander, she was also on the movie CB4 with Chris Rock. She plays like a video vixen, and I'm not gonna say she's a host or something like that. Excuse my language, but I mean she's like um, 
she's yeah, she's she was uh having a relationship with this gangster rapper and all that stuff. So see for Candy Alexander, I mean I'm gonna tell you she looked good though. Yeah, for for a woman. Mm, 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 good like Campbell's. Okay, so we at um let's go back to the scene, right? So um Officer uh, no Sergeant Smythe is having a conversation with um Officer Murray about these computers and all that stuff. I mean, and they, they so behind their technology because they discussing the kids be on the internet and stuff like that. And she mentions that we dinosaurs. She said we dinosaurs and all that stuff. So also we got radio calling and they hear they heard on radio that there's been like a break in at some warehouse. So they decided to go to the scene and before they break out, you know, Officer Murray spills his coffee on the street and then they drove off. All right, so when we have to we at the next scene that we at the warehouse somewhere they're looking around to find find somebody to break in so officer murray tells the sergeant that we got split up for, for a moment i find any find any, any suspects who break in then all of a sudden though um officer murray hears a noise it's sergeant smite and then what happens it happens she's been pulled in on the stairwell and attacked you know and then the door is closed and then next thing you know officer murray is like Yo, don't worry, hold on. I'm gonna get back up on the way. And then she is. Sharon Spite is attacked inside the close in the stairwell, which in the door is closed. So next thing you know, Officer Murray though he calls um the um, some backup and all that stuff. And then meanwhile, be somewhere out the, outside the alley, you got Stabler throwing up right by the garbage can. So and Stabler is, is not in his uniform. He's in the street clothes, and 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 um, his partner Benson is with them, and um. They responded to or distress call like a 1013 and it's saying the officer has been attacked. So um when David Fish is throwing up, you know, Benson asked her it was a, it was it the pills. He was like, yeah, and all that stuff, stuff. So okay, so um we back at the warehouse and then um Benson Stabler are talking to officers uh Bates and Towns because they responded to the scene and um they told her that um, Sergeant Smythe has Sergeant Smythe has been raped, and she put plastic bags over her head. So, and it's basically they bought. Oh no 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 no! My mama said they've been best to save her talking to Bates, right? He he responded to the scene and tell her that she that Officer Smythe's been raped in the stairwell. So when they when they arrive at the crime scene, um, his partner Officer Town is there, and tell her she, she looks pretty bad. And um, next thing you know is that Benson Saber come to the stairwell and they see um, Sergeant Smythe. And Benson was like, oh my God, it's her. And then and he, and then Benson tells Slabler that she, know, she knows her. And, and she tells them that, that Sergeant Smythe used to train her at the academy years ago. So Benson recognizes recognizes the victim as Sergeant Smythe. She knows her, so it's like, um, turns out that um, Benson and Smythe have history because, um, you know, Sergeant Smythe trained her at the Academy, Academy years ago, so but right now, Smythe is now like, is a big, big victim. I mean, she's been raped and put a plastic bag over her head, and she's unconscious. And I guess she nearly died dead. That's just messed up and all that stuff. So, all right. So we skipped the theme song and we're at the hospital right now. And um, 
turns out that um, Sergeant Smythe, Karen Smythe is uh, semi-conscious and all that stuff, and then they got officers around in the hallway. They just hoping that the sergeant will recover. So they haven't... So, so the doctor tells him that Smythe is, um, is semi-conscious, though, and then Benson tells, um, Benson tells um, Captain Cragen that he's going to watch over her, and... Um, and she says though, she'll let him, and she'll tell him that if it happens, uh, she'll call him and all that stuff though. All right, so um, we at the uh, back at the squad room right now, and uh, Sable is in the bathroom. He's washing his face. You know, he's experiencing some side effects from his medication because that because um, he got um, he he almost. I remember the last episode um. He was uh, she. He was touching a woman's body, and she had blood all over her. And somehow he got contaminated with the blood, and because the girl has the is has HIV positive and all that stuff. So, and then what happened was she her blood was on him and stuff like that. So um, sometimes it's like he having the side effects of the medication and stuff like that. And then he washes his face, and then he goes to the hallway for they have a briefing. So. Captain Craig is there, and there's like a bunch of cops. And turns out that um, they had to track down this uh, this um, perp who raped like who raped woman with a plastic bag over her head. In other words, though, they look for a serial rapist because he's telling Craig is telling everyone that we had to track down this serial rapist because I mean they won. So, and then after the briefing, though, Captain Craig calls. Um, Stabler to the office and um Cragen tells Stabler that he needs some rest because he'd been up for a couple of, up for a couple of days so um and then you know Stabler's like though I'll be okay you know yeah I'll come to you if this is a problem whatever you know what I'm saying so all right so we back at the um, we outside the squad room and a bunch of fan interviews officers basically telling what happened though and, um, and, you know, base was like, though, if you see something, you know, we holding that ass. We, you know, we do our thing and all that stuff. And meanwhile, we got Stabler. He interviews Officer Murray and tells him, and Murray tells him the events of what happened that night, though. And he was just scared and stuff like that, though, because um, he heard a muffled sound. And then that's all it is, though. We back at the hospital right now, and <clears throat> the curtain is open, and Benson wakes up, and she sees... um sergeant smythe staring at her and sergeant smythe is conscious and then they have a conversation you know and all that stuff what do you remember we were in the warehouse mitch tripped i asked him if he was okay couldn't see anything that wasn't in the flashlight beam it was so dark and someone grabbed me by the throat. Put something over my head. What was it? It was a plastic bag. Then he dragged me and he threw me down, tore my pants off, and then he was inside me. All right, so um, turns out that um, Smice wants Benson to go find that creep and who attacked her and all that stuff, though. So um, we back at the squad room right now, and um, 
Munch and Finn, they talking to this homeless guy. And Finn, 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 Finn was like, I can't see the stand as stench. And then he asked the homeless guy where he at, though. And the homeless man replies, it ain't the crack house. It ain't the White House. We're in, in the station house. And Finn was like, good guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the officer's base in town, so they bring in another homeless guy. Turns out that he was carrying her ID and stuff like that, though. And they tell him they they found they they found the suspect who raped Karen Smythe, though. So, um, and officers based in town said they decided to go and get some rest too. So, um, so the homeless guy, you know, he tells him that he didn't touch her. He 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 said he found the ID somewhere somewhere on the street or something like that, but he didn't put his hands on her. So they said they're gonna do some DNA testing and see that he's a, he's the guy that raped um, Karen Smythe. So, um, however, though, once, if you have, so, however, though, that, the um, Stabler tells him, you got, the, the, the you know, the, the same guy raped the woman in Queens with the same MO, you know, the plastic bag overhead and taking her ID and a gun and stuff like that, though. So, once of Vince talks to the, the other victim, and she's like a officer or something like that, though, and then she describes her attack. She tells him that he that that um the guy the guy put a plastic bag over her head and raped her and um he didn't say a word. So much was like thinking and stuff like that though. So we back at the squad room and then um Munch comes in, tell her that um rapists use the same MO as uh, Karen Smite with a plastic bag over her head and stuff like that though. So so Cragen wants the Munch and Finn to work for a check on um, Sergeant Smite's past cases. And um, Cragen tells him to check the lab, tells Bess and Slavery to the, go to the lab and check for DNA and stuff like that, though. So we have the lab, and this lab lady, something like that, I mean, she's giving him a hard time because um, she's been holding out, something like that, because um, Bess and Slavery just wanted a DNA from the rape kick and all that stuff, though. So, but um, somehow the lab lady though she be like um, I don't know what she say. I mean, she was like she don't want to give out any information and stuff like that though. So it's just that um, she tells them that she's been busy focusing on four homicides, and Benson and Saber tells them that a, a, a sergeant was raped, and then they wanted like DNA and everything like that though, and um. And then the lab lady tells him positive for positive spermicide, negative for semen, stuff like that. And Benson and Stabler thought that the rapist used a condom. So they asking her if they could have any, any evidence. And then turns out the lab lady is holding out. She tells him, though, if I give you like stuff from rape, something from the rape kit, rape kit, I'm in enough trouble. So outside the building, Benson and Stabler do a walking talk, and they discover it's a cover-up. So, Stable, you know, Elliot Stable is like, let's go back to the crime scene and check it out. So, we back at we at we at the crime scene again. You know, you know the stairwell where Sergeant Sergeant Smite has been raped, and Benson noticed that the door was open, and Benson and, and Stabler discover that the crime scene has been cleaned up. And my goodness, 
you know, blood, no tape, all that stuff. I mean, it like it never happened. So they talking to this this um this um Jabba the Hut um, employee who just sitting down there with his fat his belly stuff like that, and um, he tells them that he, he sees these two cops and he was see these two cops and windbreakers though saying it was their idea, and he just tells them that he just tells them that um, he just doing um, following orders you know like he is he. I've, it's been done by one of the employees. This is me. Now, this dude, this guy, though, I mean, he looked kind of familiar. This actor looked kind of familiar because I seen him on the deuce, and he was running some porn shop in the season one. I mean, he'd be selling, like, bags with some you know, porn inside of it, though. That was back in the early 70s. Now, I'm telling you, this this actor, I mean, he's he, he's sitting down there like he's Jabba the Hutt from Return of the Jedi. Mm, all that stuff, though. So, um, and, um, hmm, yeah, you imagine Detectives Benson and Sabler talking to Jabba the Hutt, you know, I mean, a big guy with a big belly, he's showing his uh, big, naked belly button and stuff like that, though, I mean, come on, and I think he lose some weight. Oh, as a matter of fact, he did lose some weight. He did. Okay. I, you know, I think it was in season three, but I mean... This actor, he got like the heavy New York accent. I mean, you is jab. In other words, is yeah, he's like Jabba the Hutt with the heavy New York accent. And you, you say it's two guys, two guys, and win two cops and windbreakers. You know, I mean, that's heavy. I mean, that's New York. You know what I'm saying? It's like a New York state of mind, like Jay Z and Lisa Keys. All right, all right. So, um, now we at the um, back of the squad room, and you got. Two internal affairs of uh, lieutenants, though they search in Benson and Stabler's stuff, right? And Benson and Stabler show up, they see the IAB lieutenants, though, going searching their stuff. And Stabler's like, Yo, yo, put that shit back, though. This is mine, that's my property. And Benson's was like, I, if you were hungry, though, I got like a sandwich or a donut, something you're hungry, something like that, though. So these, um, two internal affairs, um, uh, no, Lieutenant So they wanted to speak to Cragen in the office and stuff like that, though. So the purpose of their visit is that the, the Eternal Affairs guys wants to wants to ask Benson Sables about their files. So, and however, though, Sabler becomes suspicious. He he trying to figure out what's going on. They said they tell him he's telling him that the lab is holding out. Trying to things been cleared up. Because they discussing, they're just guessing it was something to do with Karen Smythe's case, but instead they they didn't, they did IAB lieutenants they didn't answer. They just said thank you and just left, just like that. Now something is going on around here because they realize that they're, they're, they're looking at the Karen Smythe, but they did not even they because the IAB guys they're not even answering their questions. Now internal affairs, though they like these lieutenants, so they trying to investigate investigate cops that are dirty or shady or something like that. Though crooked cops, in other words, so so and then sometimes their cops careers is online. So they're trying to figure if um, Karen Smythe is they were, they were looking at Karen Smythe, but they never answered the question. They just asked Benson Sable for their files, and then. And Benson Sensen Stable was like it has something to do with the Karen Smythe case. 
but they never answer the question. You know, it's just that um, they know that the lab is holding back and crime seems to crime seems to be cleared, clean, cleared up. There's a cover up going on right here, but like IB didn't say nothing. So we in a diner and Benson, Stabler, Munch, and Finn are having lunch and they talk about IAB and then here comes Munch, Detective Munch with his conspiracy theories, you know, like calling the KJB and the CIA and all that stuff though. And Finn was Finn's was like, What you talking about, man? Talking about IAB, they're gonna go through these stuff though. And then and then next thing you know is, is they just um they the IAB they invested crew cops and Benson Stevens knows that they they're clean and stuff like that though. So and Finn was like IAB gives you the creeps and all that stuff. So it's like they do it working on they they, they, they do want to check out their files and see if they're dirty. And then all of a sudden Finn mentions about Karen Smythe and Benson's reaction was like Karen Smythe wouldn't have a, like, wouldn't have a cup of coffee. And Finn was like, let me say. So it turns out Benson Benson does not believe that Karen Smythe is dirty. So, and then Benson and Stabler leave those them two behind, saying they're going to go check with some files and stuff like that. So later on, you know, Munch and Finn come out the diet later on, and and you know, Finn doesn't even like Benson's reaction to what he said about Karen Smythe, though, but. He did, but Finn did some digging, right? And it turns out that Karen's ex-husband drove her into bankruptcy because of his gambling. And I'm telling you, this nigga got a gambling problem, man. I mean, that they they were, they, they, they were like divorced probably like last year because, uh, I mean, uh, what happened? He drained, he was draining her with his gambling. I mean, and all that stuff. So, um, so Finn was like, we they had to go and ask him. All right, so we at um, I think we at the bakery right now, and then Munch and Finn they talking to Karen's ex husband Todd Smythe. Now, yo, who's the actor that's playing um Karen's ex husband? Thank God she's okay. We don't speak in terms. She's going to tell me what happened. We don't talk that often. How long were you married? Twelve years. Honeymoon lasted ten. All right, that happens to be after Isaiah Whitlock Jr., the shit guy. And check this out. He's also a repeat offender because he was last seen in the season one episode um, for episode 14 limitations. So that makes him a repeat offender. Repeat offender. So we put him on the list now, right? So, um, and he was on. He's been seen on the wire, and um, he was in the movie Twenty Fifth Hour. And I'm gonna tell you though, this guy he be seen was shit on the wire. I'm like shit, shit, shit. So I'm gonna call him the shit guy because he's full of shit. All right, so uh, <laughs> now, and um, oh, anyway, so much and Finn is talking to um, Todd Smythe at his job where he works at the bakery. I think it was Triborough Bakery, and he tells him that um, 
he was married to Karen for 12 years and the honeymoon lasted just 10 years and he spent all his money on the gambling addiction I mean this this nigga is a this shit guy he's full he's shit guy is a fam is a gambling addict so <laughs> I mean he done a bunch of he done a bunch of shit man and gambling I mean he doesn't give a shit about her he only gives a shit about his gambling his gambling stuff like that he, he tells him that he both both these both these salaries and gambling I mean this nigga is a gambling addict though so however though he tells him that he's clean and all that stuff but then Munch says we're not your credit report you said that you had your money and shit like that something like that though so um and it's what something like that though he was and then um Todd the shit guy was like so so Munch said you probably had a relapse so he says that um if I was credit report I mean they try to figure it out that he they, they, they figured that um that this this shit guy is still gambling though so much and Finn confront him and um he asked him how much and then what well why well, what's up the money thing and then um the shit guy was like I borrowed money from a friend and Finn replied you mean a loan shark and then he tells them, and then the shit guy tells them, you know, he just, um, he's already, the money already, $50,000 already been paid off, something like that. One from him and the other anonymous donor, something like that, though. And Finn could tell by a loan shark, but he doesn't even trust them loan sharks because sometimes um, they, 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 if you don't give them money, they'll kick your ass or something like that. But speaking about loan sharks, though, and um, I had an ex-girlfriend, you know, she asked me for ninety dollars because she want to pay off the loan shark, and right there, you know, I just decided to break up with this woman though, and um, and then she gave me the best sex I ever had, something like that, you know, you know. I mean, I'm not gonna explain that further, but I decided to broke it off with her because she be asking me for ninety dollars and she want to pay for a loan shark and she said she'll pay it back. I mean, that girl was trouble, you know. I mean, I just broke it off with her. Some somehow you know what happened. We rekindled the relationship, but it just doesn't work because this woman was crazy. And um, that's it's speaking about loan sharks. You know, I mean, you you we borrow money from uh, some friends. Your loan sharks ain't your friends, man. They they say they'll kick your ass, and then and worse, they'll kill you if you don't pay them back. I mean, you borrow you borrow money from them, you're supposed to give it back. But you cannot give them short because sometimes, you know, they might threaten you with violence and stuff like that, though. So, anyway, so, you know, the old Todd, the shit guy, right? He tells Munch and Finn that, that he paid $50,000 on his own and then another 50000 from some anonymous donor. So, he tells them that, you know, the vultures ain't coming in and knocking my door anymore. And they ask him who the uh, loan shark's name is. And he tells them it's um guy named Uncle Sammy or something like that though. So so we out on the street right now and then um they did much offense by Uncle Sammy. He just they come and talk to him and then Uncle Sammy was, was like, sorry, no, I'm not no banging my ATM and something like that though. So and next thing you know, Munch and Finn looked to his pockets and then they found <laughs> they dig into his pockets and then they found like um Munch was like Oh, and then Uncle Sammy tells him that it's a dog or something like that, though. 
And um, I mean, Uncle Sammy, the loan shark, he tell, and then they trying to find out who paid the uh, the who paid the other fifty dollars who paid something like that. Uncle Sammy tells much of Finn that was it was his ex wife. Oh, so it turns out that Karen Smythe paid the fifty thousand dollars. So she's the anonymous donor right over here, though. So, um, and then they know much of Finley, Uncle Sammy, and stuff like that. So we back at the um, Craigan's office, and then much tells Craigan about you know, um, um, you know, Karen Smythe is her husband and all that stuff with the gambling thing, though. And then Benson and Benson and Stabler come into Craigan's office, and Benson tells them we're done with doing messenger service. And then who we and then they ask him who we were looking into, and Craigan tells them we're looking. Look, we look into Karen Smythe, and Benson got this look on her face, like saying shocked and like what? And it turns out that IEB is looking into Karen Smythe over gambling stuff like that. So it turns out that Shark Karen Smythe, Rafe, and we don't know if Karen Smythe. Rape is connected to her ex-husband's gambling depths or something like that, though. And then she got raped as a result with that, though. Who knows, though? I mean, speaking about gambling, I'm going to tell you something, though. I gambled once, maybe twice. First time I was gambling, I was in Atlantic City. And mom taught me how to gamble, you know, go to the casinos and stuff like that. And I didn't even turn 21 yet. So that was back in 1996, right? I visited Atlantic City, and um, Ma taught me how to gamble, you know, slot machines, stuff like that. And I won some money, you know. But I'm not no gambling addict, though. I mean, I just did it one time. That was it, though. And then years later, though, I was up in um, Niagara Falls, Canada. I went to the casino, tried to gamble a little more. And, you know, it's just a little, you know, I'm not a gambling addict, though. I mean... Personally, I'm not into gambling and all that stuff, so it's just that you know I'm 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 best by saving my money so I could build, you know, like Bob the Builder, right? All right, so um, now it turns out that um, Karen Smythe, IAB is looking into Karen Smythe case or something like that because they into hard though. So we at the second half of the story right now, and we're in um, Karen's apartment, and um, she asked Detective Benson if she was on a take. So, and then she and then Benson said that she got word from IAB and stuff like that, and then they're just looking into her and stuff like that though. But all of a sudden, Sergeant Smythe recants her story, claiming that she wasn't raped. And Bessie was like, what the hell are you talking about, though? You was raping the stairway. We you believe, though? And Carol was like, I remember now. I had sex before I went on duty. And then Benson asked her, with, the, with who? And she tells him she's an old boyfriend. And she asked him what's his name. She tells him that he's married. Oh, my goodness. You, you had an affair with a married man? I mean, come on. Benson's was not having Benson was not having that shit though. She knows that she's co- she, she she's covering up for somebody, and how why she recanted though, and then Benson was pushing her, and down who's oh after you, and then all of a sudden, 
Karen might start becoming irritated and stuff like that. It tells her to drop the case and stuff like that. And Bessie was like, Who, what? What's going on? Who's coming after you? Who? What trouble are you in? And then Karen Smythe just snaps saying, you the one that's causing it. And Bessie was like, well, we're going to go I, we're gonna go to Eternal Affairs and see what they're going to say. And then Smythe gives her the cold look saying, get out. Get the fuck out of my house. Shit, that was messed up, though. I mean, she, yo, Candy Alexander recanted her story. So, Benson knows what's going on because um, she's not even talking. So, and as Benson and Cragen do a walk and talk, and uh, Benson tells Captain Cragen that she's scared. I mean, she's covering up with somebody, something like that. So, and Craig was like, he's going to talk to the chief of detectives because he's a friend of mine and he want to tell him about the case. So, um, Benson was like, this is a suicide mission. And Craig was like, hey, this is New York, though. We can do anything we want. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, back in the squad room, Sable was talking to somebody about his test results. Because what happened was that he got, um, and he got, um, he was, he was saving like uh, some girl. She was saving a suicidal girl who was age, diagnosed with HIV and her, her blood was on him. Something like that, though. And then where he might get infected. So Stabler is trying to find out what his test results is, is and then and then yeah, it's not good news though. So much is listening in. And then Sable before and then Sable tells the guy that you have to find like a some better person when something like that though. And then he hangs up the phone. And Munch asks like, is there a problem? And um Sable tells Munch that uh, his test results came back and they said that only a doctor would give it to him. That they wouldn't even tell him the, what the good news is, though. So, are they holding Is it a good news or bad news and all that stuff, though? So, meanwhile, we're at one police plaza and um, Craig is talking to the chief of, chief of detectives about the Karen Smythe case. And... Um, you know, and then you get this cop, he's eating a, a pretzel with must a big ass pretzel with a mustard. I mean, a lot of these guys they like eat with big ass thick, big ass pretzels with mustard. I mean, I don't like pretzels with mustard, man. I don't even like mustard. All right. And with all that stuff. Come on, y'all. I mean, I don't know. I just don't like them. I don't just like the big ass pretzels with the mustard and another or some baked pretzels and stuff like that though. So and um chief of detectives tells them about Smythe's case, you know, it's like um and he mentions he he mentioned something about her ex husband and the gambling thing, you know, that's like um that makes him look bad and all this stuff though. It's like and he mentioned something saying about uh firing offense and all that stuff with the Smythe case, so but it's like uh, it doesn't look good to them about stuff like that. About Karen Smythe because she's a sergeant and stuff like that. Though it's like a, he tells him it's a firing offense because of her ex husband's gambling debts or whatever like that, and he tells him don't ruin our friendship and all that stuff. Though, okay, so we inside the courthouse and Cragen and Cabot are doing a walk and talk, and um, Cragen tells him the IAB and Karen Smythe are covering up the Karen Smythe case though, and um, he knows that he's like a little paranoid. I mean, he knows that he's. He's th- he is serving 12 years as a captain of captain 
and he knows he knows he's a little paranoid because he suspects cover up though. So Cragen tells Cabot about I I be covering up the Smythe case and all that stuff. So Cabot was like, let me go talk to her first. All right, so we in the laundry room and then you know Karen Sergeant Smythe is doing her laundry and Cabot comes in and she tries to reason with um, Karen and stuff like that, but he have a fallen out though. It's not it's not gonna even work though. I've lost enough already. Now this is my choice. Don't make it my last. All right then. All right. So he already tells a story about his bad shoe. You know, I mean, say what's wishful thinking, and then he's thinking about the little girl and all that stuff. So, um, and all of a sudden, you know, um, Winfield tells Sabler that he didn't kill the two men. So he just gave out flyers, threatening them. You know, I mean, he was just doing his job and all that stuff, though. <clears throat> and uh, he also tells Sabler. That um, after he hears shots, though, he sees a woman fleeing the crime scene. And Sabler asks him, what's the, the description? And um, Winfield tells her that she's like 5'6", brown hair, a blue sequin top, and black jacket, and boots. Oh, it turned out to be Gloria. So... Say was like, you got to do the right thing and all that stuff. So and then next thing you know, that he leaves the interrogation room. So um, we at the bar right now where Gloria works at. And uh, her co-worker tells Munch and Finn that Gloria didn't show up for work tonight. She's her day off. So it turns out that um, she also tells them that Gloria and Tommy broke up a few days ago and all that stuff. Though. But then... then um, yeah, she took it hard and all that stuff, though. So Munch threatens her, saying, "You have to give Gloria up, Gloria up, or we're gonna have you as an accessory to murder, something like that, though." And she tells him that she um, clocked out for Gloria. I mean, she was covering for her and all that stuff, though. It's just like, um, and then she tells that she was uh, she left at a certain time and all that stuff. Yada yada yada. That's all it is, though. She tells him that Gloria is a sweet girl. I mean, she wouldn't even do anything bad, though. So, however, though, um, Benson and Stabler get the word from Munch, you know, tell her that alibi went south. So, we outside Gloria's apartment, and Benson and Stabler are up the stairs, and um, Benson, and Stabler, and Benson gets off the phone and tells tells um, Stabler that Munch, that about Gloria, says that her alibi just went south. So they arrive at Gloria's apartment and they hear the music blasting and stuff like that. And they try they try knocking on the door to speak to Gloria, but she never responds though. Next thing you know, her upstairs her upstairs neighbor comes up from upstairs and he tells he tells them that he be here she's been blasting music for about an hour and stuff like that though. And you know what's going on. So Benson and Slaver break in the apartment door and they in the living room looking for Gloria. So Guess what? Say, hey, check this out. Stabler finds Gloria in the bathroom trying to kill herself. I mean, when Benson arrives in the bathroom, she sees Gloria in a pool, in a tub, in a pool of blood. And Gloria was trying to kill herself, so they tried to revive her and stuff like that. 
And then Benson calls the bus, tell him that, that they have a suicide attempt and all that stuff. And then Stabler grabs her. And then you can see blood on Stabler's Band-Aid and stuff like that. I don't know, but that's something not going on around here. I mean, she 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 tried to kill herself and all that stuff. I mean, yo, why you gotta kill herself over a breakup and stuff like that, though? I mean, hmm. Why don't you just move on and stuff like that, though? I can't believe Gloria tried to kill herself. Suicide stuff. I mean, I don't know. She's not responding. So is she gonna die? Well, we're not we're gonna find out ourselves though. So we're in the hospital, and um, she's and the doctor tells Sabler that uh, she he no the doctor warns Sabler that uh, she has HIV. Gloria has HIV in her system. So, so then so you know I have to take some medication and stuff like that because he don't want to get infected. So Sabler's like thanks thanks for get the heads up. So moments later though we in the hospital bed we're in the hospital bedroom gloria is conscious and she was like why don't you just let me die and um they want to ask her a question about if she uh if she killed um she had killed um, tommy and all that stuff though and she tells me yeah she tells him that she killed tommy and check this out she killed moss too and she was like leave me alone I killed them. I might kill them both, man. I can't believe it, though. She killed her boyfriend, Sir Sudi, best boyfriend, Tommy. And then and then she had to kill um, this guy named Craig Ross. No, I said Chris Moss by mistake. My bad. My bad. She she killed. She killed her. She killed. She said she killed Tommy because he gave her HIV. And she and then. They asked her about Moss, and she said that she don't even she she killed him too. But what's her connection between her and Craig Moss? They don't even get it though. So, however, though it's like um, Benson and Stable trying to figure figure put the puzzle I mean, together. And it turns out that Benson Stable discovers that Gloria is covering up for somebody. So we're at the prison now, and Benson and Sable talk to Cragen, and they know that Gloria is was covering for somebody because, I mean, she killed Tommy because he gave her HIV. But what's her connection between Gloria and Moss? And I don't even understand it though. So Cragen tried to figure this out together, and um, he has a thing. Cragen says that Tommy gave Gloria HIV. Moss has HIV, so it turns out that uh, both Tommy and Craig got the same prescription drugs from the clinic where Louise works at. So they want to bring in Louise and all stuff, and plus they get about the nine millimeter that was used in the murders. So that's what they're gonna do. So we we outside the interrogation room and Benson Stiller there and Craig is there. And Luis is there doing her paperwork. And Craig was like, that's dedication and all that stuff, though. So they go in, and then they're trying to figure out that um, uh, why, why, what's her connection and why connection between Tommy and Craig and Gloria. And it turns out that Luis had Gloria to lie for her and all that stuff. So, But it turns out 
that um I think that uh, Louise is pissed that um that Tommy killed Gloria with his lies. And she tells him that Tommy's been lying his ass off. I mean, he says he's because him and because he he was um she thought that um Tommy was straight and Tommy wasn't hasn't been honest to Gloria and all that stuff. So what happened was when he had sex with her, he, he gave her HIV, and uh, and and Gloria didn't even know that though. But it turned when and Louise find out though, I mean, she could see how the bastard Tommy really is. So she had to kill. So she had uh, kill um, Marcha for that though, and they ask her, "What about uh, Craig Ross?" And Louise was like, "Why would I give him the same, give him another chance and stuff like that though?" And um, and I would, and then he was like, "I wouldn't. He he's a rapist. I wouldn't let him go." So and it turns out that she got infected nine years ago. That was like back in 1992. And Manson asked her if she was HIV positive. And Louise was like, she got full-blown AIDS and she's dying. The drugs aren't going to work for him anymore. So I don't, maybe maybe the Craig uh, probably raped her and gave her HIV. I don't know what it is. But it turns out that she kills... She killed these two men because they should prevent them from being infected. Whoa! But it turns out, let's see. Turns out that she is the she is the damn vigilante, and not the um, Eric Roberts. Turns out she, not, she killed these guys, so not Eric Roberts. So there's a twist right there, and you and then you think it was Eric Roberts and all that stuff though. So. And we're after we're in the interrogation. You know, we're at the um, squad room once more, and and Saber's getting ready to go home, get some rest and all stuff like that. Though, so um, he he says goodnight to Olivia, and when he leaves squad room, he runs to Craigan and tells him that he's going to be taking the, his uh, taking the prescription that the doctor ordered for to, um, to prevent himself from being infected with HIV because you know sometimes the blood be transferred stuff like that though, so. Um, and I think after that, that's the end of the episode. So it turns out that it was that girl Louise that killed these um, sex offenders because they are affected HIV, not Eric Roberts. So there is a twist going around right here. And you think it was for with Eric Roberts doing it? Please. And he's off the hook right now, but it's like vigilante justice. I mean, it's just like. It's like watch a movie Death Wish and you're like you're being sick and tired of these criminals trying to rape people, rob people, murder people, and you feel like you wanna have your revenge, kill people, prevent something like that though. So yo, it's like you you see like it's like Charles Bronson from the movie Death Wish. Hey, are you lucky, punk? No, 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 that's dirty Harry, though. I don't know what it is though. So that's a good episode. You know what I was thinking, right? Though I'm thinking about bringing in uh, pr- um, producer Neil Bear on that show. He was a showrunner from on SVU from 2001 to 2011, and uh, I think it's from season two about to season 12. 
and he brought some good, interesting stories that he made the show better. So I wanted to ask him about that reshooting scenes and stuff like that, though. And like the episode where this girl ran away from home and she was in a rave and then they was, they was using her in porn and prostitution and all that stuff. So I was thinking about that. And it's been on my mind. I wanted to interview that guy on the show. And I want to ask him what's his experience on SVU. So, and I want to ask him about certain scenes and all that stuff. So, I just wanted to ask him a few questions. Well, tonight I'm not going to be doing a true kind of story. This week, though, I have to do some more research because I've been so caught up with working. And then I got to deal with family matters like Steve Burkle. <laughs> and, all, and all that stuff, though. So, I just want to let you know that on um, December 9th, the SVU is going to be having a crossover episode with um, Law & Order Organized Crime. It's like a SVU OC crossover, and they're going to bring back Richard Wheatley. And who's going to be his lawyer? Barbara. Oh my goodness, is Barbara going to the dark side, though? I mean, imagine if Barbara showed up on the original Law and Order, though. I mean, that's going to be some entertaining TV, man. But we'll see how it turns out on December 9th, though. So are you ready for that, listeners? We'll see about that. Okay, there's nothing much I want to talk about, though. I mean, it's time for me just to go and get some rest. I made some good-ass lasagna tonight, though. And, you know, I'm a good cook, though. You can see some. You can come and see me bake some stuff, though. It's delicious. So, um, all right, that's gonna be my time right now because um, this is this is this is it for me. So I'm gonna be coming back next week, week next Monday with a new show, and you can listen to me on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, probably Google Podcasts, which or. Our website, which is WordPress.com, which was whatever available. Alright? So, I'm just going to be chilling here, like, um... And, uh, I just also want to know that, um... I want to say, rest in peace to this rapper down Memphis. Memphis, I mean, um, Trey Lawrence, which I'm going to call it, though. He was murdered right outside the store, though. I forgot his name. I think it was, um... Let me go look. Let me go look it up right over here for a second, though. Right, bear with me. Bear with me. Hold on a second. There was this rapper over in Memphis. He was gunned down and stuff like that, though. So I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna look it up to you. Yeah, Young Dolph. That's his name. Yeah, he was um, shot and killed right outside the convenience store. Right on, um, right on his hometown, hometown Memphis. So, rest in peace to him. But I want to let you know, let you know, this this gangster rap shit is gonna stop, and that drill music shit is gonna stop because all that drill music is nothing about gangsters trying to be flashing their guns and money and all that bullshit going on around here, clout chasing and see who's on. And all these drill music is the hardest. I mean, SVU did an episode on drill music though. So, I'm going to go get to that another time. So, and as for that, this has been Twisted, a Lord or the SVU podcast. This is Brian Bowes, and I'm out.